Welcome to Roast Magazine Audio Articles. Roast focuses on coffee from a technical perspective, covering the art, science, and business of coffee roasters. Presenting Working with the Government Permits and Emissions Requirements for Coffee Roasters by Tracy Allen. There's no way around it. If you're putting particulate matter or fumes in the air, you need a permit to do it. What goes for cooking equipment and exhaust in a commercial kitchen also goes for commercial coffee roasters. Whether you're expanding or relocating your existing roasting business or just launching a micro-roastery, most cities and counties will want to know if your roaster setup passes local air quality regulations. If it does, you'll be granted a permit. At worst, the permitting office is filled with administrative workers who are concerned only that the paperwork is filled out completely incorrectly and will provide no assistance or support. The responsibility to file accurately and correctly is yours. At best, there may be administrative employees at the permitting office who are helpful and friendly and genuinely want you to open your business and succeed. Always enter with a smile and hope for the best. The small exception with some local governments. Coffee roasters up to a certain batch size, usually 10 to 15 pounds, generally do not require emission controls, so you can roast small batches without a permit until you're fully up and running. Any more than that and you'll need a pollution control device. In larger cities, it can take three to six months to get a permit, depending on the complexity of the project and where the roaster will be located. Not to mention, traffic gets backed up not just on the roads, but at the permit office. Each state, city, and county has its own forms and system of permitting, but all generally require the following information, along with a permit processing fee. You can get these specifications from the roaster manufacturer. Capacity of roaster, air flows through the roaster and cooler, temperatures of air streams, control devices like cyclones and afterburner, temperature and residence times, emission calculations after abatement and sometimes before abatement. Restrictions on how much particulate you may generate depends on where your business is located. Some permitting offices are more strict than others, and each office may have a different set of nitrogen oxide emission standards. These nitrogen oxide limits are for the burner alone, not the burner and the roasting of the beans, which can add 50 to 70% nitrogen oxide to the equation. In Seattle, for example, where for 50 days a year there's a slight smog problem due to weather inversions, where warm air traps cold air underneath it, zero visible emissions from roasting vents is the rule all year long. But in Minneapolis, where the air quality falls below Federal Clean Air Act thresholds all year, afterburners aren't required. Though not every local government requires an afterburner, which burns the air and particulate from the roaster a second time, some kind of emissions mitigation is often required. Some places use electrostatic systems for smoke suppression, which do a good job of getting rid of particulates but not fumes, says Bill Kennedy, president and CEO of San Franciscan Roaster Company. Vortex has introduced a patented water scrubber to take out fumes and particulate as well, at varying percentages. Local governments sometimes have onerous rules to prevent business growth, out of ignorance or as a way to help protect the environment through business regulation. Still, in some areas, the emissions standards are so strict that roasters may interpret the rules as entirely unwelcoming. I've seen businesses move out of state just to get away from regulations that they see as impossible to manage, says Kennedy. And then there's the issue of transport zones. If you're installing a roaster in North New Jersey, where the air quality meets federal standards, 
There are still strict regulations because the smoke will blow into New York City, so it gets regulated like it's New York, says Kennedy. The same is true in parts of Pennsylvania. Despite the lack of urban density, you've got strict emissions regulations because the air from there flows over New York. Regulations for what kind of pollution control you need are also hyper-local. If you're in L.A., you have to destroy all smoke because there's zero tolerance for particulate in the air, and therefore your roaster must have low nitrogen oxide or ultra-low nitrogen oxide burners, says Scott Stouffer, vice president of sales at Probot USA. But if you go to Houston, you're required to destroy the particulate in the emission, but not necessarily nitrogen oxide, so you can use a standard burner. Seattle is the same. You can use a standard burner, but you have to destroy visible emissions. Tinker Coffee in Indianapolis, owned by Jeff Johnson and Austin Patterson, has been around for five years. Tinker's small original location was only 1,500 square feet, where Johnson and Patterson roasted on a Probatino that roasted four kilos of coffee per hour. The small footprint made it easier to install and work with, says Johnson. While coffee roasters in Indianapolis don't require pollution control equipment, the local health department nonetheless helped Johnson and Patterson with information on keeping their facility safe. They advised us to have a water hose nearby in case of a chaff fire, and to make sure the ceiling above the roaster wouldn't drop foreign particulate down into the coffee, says Johnson. They didn't have to do this because coffee is exempt in our country, and we weren't seeking a food service permit. It was just a nice thing for them to do. Your coffee roaster may also need to go through a public notification process as part of the permitting process. If your business is located near a school or residential area, you'll have to post a public notification of your intent to roast coffee there via newspapers, posted signage, or city website, as well as notify all neighbors within a certain distance. Once these notifications go out, recipients are allowed to respond and comment on the project within a month or possibly 45 days. If no comments are received by the deadline, you'll get your permit. But if concerns do arise from neighboring residents or businesses, you may also have to host a public hearing to answer questions about your business and build out. In San Francisco, the Bay Area Quality Management District mandates public hearings for roasters that are set to be installed within a thousand feet of any educational facility. That distance includes the fence line or grounds, not just the building. You have to pay for the public hearing, including the facility where it's held, and receive public comment on your business, says Kennedy. By now, you may be intimidated by the prospect of getting a permit for a coffee roaster. But with the above-mentioned background in mind and the following sequence of steps, you should be in good shape. Number one, start the permitting process sooner rather than later to avoid surprises with your build-out. If you put the roaster before the coffee bean, so to speak, it can cost you time and money when the city or county inspector comes knocking. If they determine that you're not quite following the rules, you'll have to backtrack. If you don't, you could be fined or further delayed by the city. Number two, ask questions. While you should prepare to meet inspectors, there is also a danger in over-preparing. If you give the city or county office an enormous amount of detail on what you're planning to build, the tendency is to throw the book at you and then some to cover their own ass, says Kennedy. Go in with the simple question. What are the local requirements, regulations for coffee roasting emissions? If there are none, great, Kennedy says. But also find out if there's state or county jurisdiction over the city. Do your investigative work on what's required and let the inspectors know you've done everything you know to do to be in compliance, but don't give them any reason to create new rules just for you, he adds.
Number three, be prepared to be the expert. Also, ask plenty of questions of your roaster manufacturer before meeting with the city. They'll have a lot of information that will be helpful about the mechanics and setup of your equipment. Know what you're talking about, as you may need to educate the inspectors. It's quite possible that after you do all of your research and education from your roaster manufacturer, the inspectors won't know as much as you do about emissions from roasting coffee. But don't overthink it. Roasters are really just simple furnaces with the same safety features as a water heater or pizza oven, Kennedy says. Commercial appliance technicians or HVAC experts can install them. Number four, don't install the coffee roaster until you have the permit in your hand. It's best to not start on any construction related to the coffee roaster until you're in the clear. Some permitting processes expressly forbid that you start construction prior to permitting. So if an inspector shows up at your build-out and sees otherwise, you could be fined or have your build-out stalled by the city. Also, the permit, once granted, will be based on having passed an inspection that involves negotiations you might not have foreseen, and that could alter your build-out. Number five. What if you have an existing roaster that you want to move to a new location? For better or worse, you'll be starting over. Existing coffee roasters that are relocated are almost always treated like new equipment and therefore can be subject to more stringent, more current, nitrogen oxide limits. Depending on the configuration of the roaster, you may not be able to move it to a location with stringent nitrogen oxide rules. Make sure you check the regulations around the building where you're planning to move. Number six, be a good neighbor. Proactively introduce yourself and your business to your neighbors. You could give out samples of your coffee and do things to keep those around you content. Just having a relationship with them will help, Kennedy says. At Tinker's first shop, the owners were roasting 33 hours every week during daytime hours. There were residents immediately behind the facility and a concentration of residents nearby, but Tinker never received complaints. If anything, folks said they liked the smell, says Johnson. We were on a shock roaster doing small 20-pound batches back then. Tinker also used an afterburner, even though local regulations didn't require it. We bought the roaster used from a place in Colorado, and it came with an afterburner. Even though it wasn't required for that size roaster in Indianapolis, we installed it anyway to be good neighbors. Neighborhood complaints can come in at any time, not just when you open with new residents moving into the area or an existing neighbor who no longer likes the smell. Be prepared to negotiate and talk things through at any point in the life of your business. What about the smell? After you start roasting, there's still a possibility that you'll get complaints about the odor, no matter how much or little you're roasting. For example, a small roaster doing all dark roasts will produce a lot of smoke. But lighter roasts may produce a few whiffs of smoke and steam, Kennedy says. You could mitigate this issue by roasting during off hours while folks are at work during the day or in the middle of the night. Or if you get too big, you could move. Early in 2019, Tinker moved into a 5,000 square foot warehouse with a roaster that has three times the capacity of the company's original roaster. But it's even more efficient and uses the same amount of gas because it roasts and cools, says Patterson. Tinker has had no complaints at the new location either, despite the size increase. Even if the new roaster could have fit into the old building, it would have been much too noisy for that neighborhood. We're in an industrial area now, surrounded by other businesses. 
which works great for how much we're currently roasting. Tinker still employs an afterburner on its roaster. The new one is a 35 kilo Loring with a cyclone that pulls the heat into the roasting chamber and also cycles it out. Emissions were a big thing we looked at, Patterson says, though he admits afterburners do take up a lot of valuable floor space, which can make them unattractive to some roasters. It also uses a lot of gas because it's heating up to 1100 degrees. Yet this one still uses no more gas than the much smaller roaster we had before. Perhaps most importantly, don't fool yourself into thinking you can get around permits. If you have a roaster and don't have a permit, you will eventually get a visit from local authorities. It's like driving with an expired license, Kennedy says. If you're currently not in compliance, it's better to go to the permit office and admit it now and start the process, rather than having them find out and come after you. Stouffer recalls a small Midwest roaster that had delayed filing for a permit, and now the company is set to pay fines plus permitting costs. And it's not that the permit requirement is significant, he says. This client wasn't required to mitigate his emissions, but he was required to register the BTUs of the burner and how many pounds he'll be roasting each day, and the emissions, which is all information he could have gotten from his roaster manufacturer. Though it will take some time, planning, research, negotiation, and almost certainly some backtracking and reworking, there's nothing more exciting than firing up a shiny new roaster and creating coffees that will put a smile on the faces of your customers. Be methodical, prepared, and proactive, and you'll soon be up and running. Tracy Allen is CEO of Brood Behavior, working exclusively with coffee roasters and producers. He has been involved in U.S. and World Barista Championship committees and is a past president of the Specialty Coffee Association of America. This article originally appeared in Roast Magazine's March-April 2020 issue. To subscribe to the print edition of Roast or purchase a copy of past issues, visit roastmagazine.com. This audio article was narrated by Lily Kubota, recorded and produced by Upright Recording Studio, and published by Roast Magazine.